Hello, folks. Welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current social worker. On today's episode, we're joined by Z Butler, founder and owner of The Ball Code and former NCAA women's basketball player at Stephen F. Austin State University. She received her master's degree in sport management from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. The Ball Code has a game plan to create avenues for student-athletes to educate, to help define themselves regardless of their playing levels, in hopes to be life-changers and icons in today's society. In today's episode, we will talk about how Z founded the Ball Code, what her mission is, and what she hopes to see for student-athletes, and the transition points that she went through as a student-athlete, and how she hopes to help other student-athletes going through the same. Thank you, and enjoy. And folks, we're back. On today's episode, we have Z Butler, former NCAA basketball player and founder of The Ball Code. Z, thanks for joining us on Courtside today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk about what we have to talk about today. Yes, like I said, it's great to see, like I said, the work you've done. And like I said, being a former student athlete. So I'll throw the ball over to yourself and introduce yourself. Absolutely. So, um, again, thank you for having me. Um, I am a former uh, women's basketball player at the Division One level. I did play at the junior college level as well as the NCAA. Um, so I quite had the transition from high school to junior college and then transition into a four-year state university. Um, after college, I just basically kind of walked into the real world. Um, I actually have nearly 15 years of child welfare. Um, so that's 15 years in counting. Um, like you've mentioned before, I am the owner of The Ball Code. I'm also an author of 25 Tips for the Next Level Student Athlete. Um, and so with the business, The Ball Code, it basically started to help student athletes transition to and from college. So that is what I focus on in retrospect to um uh, the mental the mental health portion. So um, take 15 years nearly of child welfare as a social worker and take 15 years of playing ball, merge that together. And so here's where we are today. And it's great to see the combination of the mental health and the sport aspect. And for yourself, when did that connection come and merge? Um, I just, as I started the ball code in 2020, um, it just so happened to be a, like right before the pandemic. So um, the mentor that I had at that point, she told me, hey, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, no, I don't write books. That's not what I do. Um, and then she mentioned, well, something that you know, more like a how to, you know, what can you teach others about something that you, you know, have specialized in or something that you're good at? And as the athlete, you know what I'm good at, you know, OK, well, that's easy. Um, and so from there, it literally took me about three days to write a book because it just, it just flowed so easily. So, um, when I thought about the work that I have done, um, and the work that I would love to do at that point, you know, it just only makes sense to be a resource more so like a social worker, um, for athletes and recognizing their needs. 
in terms of looking back at your own experience as an athlete, was the mental health or those transition points or the difficulties ever discussed or talked about? You know, um, I talk about it a lot now, um, but back then I just really didn't know what was going on. I was just kind of playing through the motion and just, you know, whatever is expected. This is this is just what it is. Um, and so I didn't really know what it was, but, you know, as you get older and you look back and you do research and you read different things and you hear people's story stories, you're like, oh, I kind of went through that myself. So for me, um, we know about the athletic identity piece. That's something that I definitely went through my freshman year in college. Um, I also, um, experienced some cultural differences at, you know, one of the schools that I had. So I just kind of had to get over that. Um, and I also, um, had a hard time transitioning out, um, out of college. However, um, I like to call this the mental state of sport and it's kind of a two part definition. It is one, all the mental challenges that surrounds a student athlete and there's no age limit. You know, if you're playing a sport, this is just for you. Um, examples could be, you know, which college to choose, um, or again, athletic identity. We know that's kind of a big thing, um, or or parental pressure. So you know, if, especially for my little leaguers, um, sometimes you may have parents that want to live their dreams out through their children because they weren't able to complete those dreams. So yeah, um, one thing that I also like to uh, address in that is part B of the definition, um, and that's using sport as a coping mechanism. And that's really how I started. Um, had a very, very tough time dealing with the adjustment to um, the divorce of my parents at the age of five. So playing basketball, that was an easy way for me to release whatever frustrations or anxieties or just, you know, um, whatever emotion that I'm feeling. And it's a great point. Like I said, sport can play so many roles and a vehicle for us there as well. But it's also understanding, you know, the pressures that can have as well, especially in those transition points, like I said, from high school to junior college, from junior college to NCAA. And then, like I said, after college, oh, remember you said, you know, the real world, that kind of hit. And how how do we adjust to that, you know, identity and who we are and what we are and what we represent? Yeah, absolutely. So, um I got in the habit of talking to a lot of athletes who played um, in college. I like talking to people if they've ever played, period, because that's always the point of conversation. Um, and one of the things that I was preached over and over was the fact that, you know, athletes are depressed. Or the people that I spoke to, ironically, who don't know each other, mind you, um, play different sports, played in different regions, but are still giving the same answers. Um, so that tells you that it's real. Um, you think it's real. And I say you, I mean me, um, because I went through a period, too. And, you know, I'm thinking it's just me until I speak to other athletes and see that, you know, I'm not the only person that's have, that's had a hard time in the transition piece. Um, I remember also, um, I think it was like a career day or something like that. And one of the gentlemen that was there as a representative of a company, he said, oh, you know, you're an athlete. Oh, that's easy. You're going to find a job very easily. It's going to, you know, because people love athletes and he played football. 
for some college. And um, I remembered that in the back of my mind. And um, I did have a job where my internship, you know, pretty set me up pretty well with a job right after. But unforeseen circumstances, I had to move. And when I moved, I'm thinking, okay, let me make sure I got athlete on here. Um, But that was not the case. And I had a hard time. And you have to imagine that if you are, let's say, an athlete who's always um, who's always being praised, who's always doing well or who always has people doing things for them. It's a huge shock when now you have to try to figure it out on your own and do things on your own. So it's tough. And in terms of I know you talked about, you know, for a while, athletes feel alone in terms of this. And then when people start talking about it, they're like, okay, wait, are other people experiencing this? What do you think fuels that, you know, difficulty to talk about it? Or what do you think is behind that? You know, um, it could be the mentality. It could be the sport mentality. You know, um, we're taught to be mentally tough. Um, we're taught to not quit, to keep going, even though it is painful, even though it hurts, you keep going. Um, playing through injuries. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one that has had to play through injuries. Um, and when you have a mentality like that and when your mindset is molded that way, um, you don't want to, you don't want to quote unquote pout that you're having a hard time, you know, because you just have to figure your way through it. And I think that's what a lot of athletes do um, when it comes down to it. And not necessarily knowing that, hey, is this normal or is this not normal? And do you feel, like I said, you know, the gap is closing in that area? Or what work do you think needs to happen to close that gap and to make that change? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Um, That's like the million dollar question. How do you transition out of that? You know, um, I actually asked this question to a group of people. Um, on LinkedIn, which it is a group of athletes who played in the NCAA um, who are no longer playing. And I actually asked this question, you know, um, because anytime that I want to provide a, resor- provide a resource or be of an assistance to, to a student athlete, I don't want it to always be about, well, this is, um, this is my input because this is what I went through. I always look out for other athletes who play to see you know, just kind of back it up or see other things. And from that, um, for me, I actually just tried to make sense of everything. So when I did get a job, you know, my teammates, my teammates or my coworkers were my teammates and my boss was my coach. And anything that was a barrier to what had to be done on the job, well, that was my opponent. Um, And so uh, there are different things that were going on that I wasn't really paying attention to, but it still lined up to when I was an athlete. So, for example, if I got employee of the month, you know, that's kind of equivalent to player of the year or month or your week or whatever, you know, they have. So I had to just basically learn how to make sense of my new environment and what made sense to me um, for others. And, you know, there several other different suggestions, you know, um, during my transition out of college, I also experienced, um, athlete burnout. I was just tired of playing, you know? Um, and so I think the decision that I made was more of an emotional decision. So when I said, I just want to 
I just want to um, see what it feels like to be a normal person. I didn't want to be in the sport industry anymore. And that was an emotional decision because, you know, if you're if you play in college, um, you more than likely have spent majority of your life in that sport. Um, so that's just a hard transition. Um, a couple of suggestions would be to, you know, be involved in Little League. Um, intern at a, a sports arena or, you know, choose another sport um, to, uh, you know, to, to participate in, whether it is a community event or a marathon to run, um, but just trying to keep that sense of normalcy up. And I'll, there's two points that really stand out to me in terms of the answer, and, and both I love. One around, you know, how do we use the language we have and moving forward in our, you know, new normal as we stay, and, you know, still have an to the sport. And like I said, going back to the ball code, your mission, like I said, you call it our game plan, which I love to see that language used in terms of how we can still kind of incorporate sport into your life after your, you know, that athlete aspect of your life. And you talk about, you know, creating avenues for student athletes to educate and define themselves regardless of their playing level, which again, it shows the fact that we look at more than just an athlete, because oftentimes we think, okay, this person is a basketball player, they're a hockey player, they're a soccer player. But no, you are so much more than just an athlete. And helping athletes identify that is huge as well. Yeah, so um, that that brings up another point, you know. Um, It's so important that your athletes know who they are before they became an athlete. Um, Recognizing that an athlete, yes, could be a very big part of you, but what are the other parts? Because those other parts, even though they're small right now, those other parts are going to carry you on through life um, when, you know, when sports is no longer, ava- you know, well, I want to say available, but, you know, you're no longer eligible to play at the level that you wish to. So, it, yeah, finding out who you are prior to that takes a very, and it helps a lot um, with the transition out of sports. And again, that's the other part that you talked about in terms of involvement, staying connected in other ways. So if it's through coaching or through administration or through other means and still helps with that transition points there as well. Would you say that was similar for your own experience? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, it was more so of like, I think it, it, I will. I don't I believe that it was destined for me to kind of get back into the sport industry because I stayed away. Like I said, um, I went into quote unquote real real world. Um, I went straight into child welfare. Um, I'm still uh, working in that area full time. Uh, so one of the one of the things that has uh, been open for me or a door that's been open is through my employer. So through my employer, I was able to go back to school. Um, and I chose sport management after being away from it for so long. And it's because it's like, you miss it, you know, you miss it. That was a big portion. You miss talking. You you watch sports on TV all the time, but to just be involved in it um, simultaneously, I started my business from there. Um, so I've just been really speaking on that, um, on that piece. So, yeah, I think I was just called to come back home uh, to the sport world. And that's a great point, like, then being able to, to find back, okay, what is my, you know, my passion? What is my purpose? And talk about the barcode. Again, 
you started the ball code April in 2020. So, you know, right in the middle of the pandemic when things just started. Tell us about what some of the services and what are things that the ball code offers. Yes, thank you for that question. Most definitely. So um, I, I, I started the ball code, like I mentioned before, you know, my uh, mentor, she said that I was going to do a how to book. And from that, that book was called 25 tips for the next level student athlete. So I started with that as a product first. Um because I wanted to be a resource. I really, at that time, and I still do, um, wanted to be someone that I never had, you know, someone to tell me, you know, you, you, you might want to know this, you might want to know about this. So I did the 25 tips for the next level student athlete. There are speaking engagements as far as, um, for those athletes in high school that, um, want to know more about recruitment and academics. Um, there's also another workshop um, for making the transition. So those are for my athletes who signed that are going to college. Um, and then there's a third one for athletes and their parents. Um, parents are invited to all, but um, this one is so important. And it literally is, um, you know, how to support your child or your athlete um, after the final buzzer. And that's the one that is, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like that'd be a heavy one, but again, a very important and critical one there as well, because again, oftentimes like we talked about parents live their life goal dreams through other kids. So that, again, mm-hmm. that's that additional pressure that's placed on the athlete as well. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. Um, ironically, people don't realize it. Um, number one, um, recognizing what those parents look like um they could be again you know they could be the coach of the team so the coach's kid um parents live in their dreams through their child um i like to call them extremists i've heard them being labeled as helicopter parents um those extremely loud parents at the game that take it a little too far um but the the mental pressures behind their child you know, you don't really know what is a healthy, where's the limit? Where's the line between healthy and unhealthy um, parental pressures? Um, Children, they are not going to tell you as a parent. They're not going to tell you. Number one, they probably are very fearful to tell you, you know. Um, Unfortunately, there's there's this one athlete and he's pretty good at football, um, but this is his dad's dream. And he just, he doesn't know how to tell his dad that he does not want to play football. You know, he wants to do something else. But the pressure of, oh, you're going to do this and you're going to do that, it's not there. It isn't. And where do you think the cultural change needs to happen to promote, you know, more holistic wellness for athletes when those pressures are from, you know, outside themselves, such as parents? you know, I think that the, the the village or the supporters that are around, um, they need to be aware of certain things. And But, you know, some people don't want to get in other people's business. I understand that. But at least to have conversations with the child or, you know, maybe having conversations without getting into their business. Um, but sometimes for that child, it doesn't happen until maybe like after the first year of college or maybe first semester, because, you know, you're talking about a parent who wants their child to play a particular sport 
and they get them to play the sport, as long as you get to the school and play, that's something that they can be very proud of. And I think that because the, uh, the athletes more than likely are not at home, it's easier to, to break your heart when you're not in my face, you know? Um, so I can say, hey, you know what? This just didn't work out. Or I can come up with all these excuses, right, of why this isn't working out. And one of those things could be, you know, you can just take um, – sometimes it's – I've seen this more in football players where they may want to go to a school for one particular um, major, um, but ironically – uh, football practice conflicts with the major classes that they have to have. So I can go say, hey, dad, you know, the coach told me I had to either pick between my books and I just figured that my books were, you know, more important. Academics were more important. Um, and that's an easy way to get, you know, to get out of that. But uh, um, sadly enough, on the flip side of that, those stories are very true. And you may have coaches that say, hey, I came and I brought you here to play um, uh, football or run track and field or do or play basketball. I didn't bring you here to major in this. And so the athlete in turn will have to more than likely either A, quit the team or B, change their major, um, which takes a big piece of their identity away from them. And that's a great point as well, because again, I've had a conversation with other athletes, and one thing I often hear from student athletes or former student athletes is, we're not student athletes, we are athlete students oftentimes, is that the athletic part of my college career is controlled by the sports, not so much by my major. Yeah, I, yes. So the NCAA thought it was a cool idea to call the athletes student athletes, you know, um, so that everybody can be under the impression that they value you as a student first before an athlete. Um, and I get it. I get it. You know, um, however, I can't speak for all schools, <laughs> but I have seen it. And, and it's really not just schools. It kind of goes down to the coaches, you know, um, what their priority is. I can tell you that, like, I can agree. <laughs> I can agree that it's more so athlete students to some coaches um, because, you know, they don't want to lose their job either. Um, so they are very adamant in a, uh, about how you can perform and just, you know, you have to keep your grades to a certain level. So um, it forces them to be concerned about your academics, but hopefully, you know, there are some great coaches that really, really do um, support their athletes through academics and, kudos to those coaches and like i said you know is hopefully that shift will be is going in the right direction like i said and i think like i said the resources that you talked about are great for not just you know student athletes parents but for you know coaches for administrations for organizations so where can people find these resources there well um i think the ncaa is a they they do a very good job of creating um resources and putting those out there um I post uh, every now and then about some tips and strategies that will support parents, coaches, and athletes. So um, you can find me on your social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, um, at The Ball Code, B-T-H-E-B-A-L-L-C-O-D-E, um, and on Twitter at the underscore ball underscore code. So catch that. 
and we'll link all your social media and website there in the post as well so people can find also the 25 tips for the next level uh, student athlete on your website as well yes my website is www.theballcode.com um, I also have a SWOT analysis for athletic identity on my website. It's free. So make sure that you grab a copy if you um, know someone um, that plays, um, regardless of whatever level they have, because athletic identity can be at the high school and the college level. And in your opinion, what would you say is one of the biggest gaps of mental health in the sport community? Why? Um, or what would you say is one of the biggest ones? Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, if you really look at it, um, it doesn't just start with athletics. It actually starts prior to. Um, there are so many different mental challenges that surround it. And like I mentioned before, we just kind of um, operate on a day-to-day basis thinking things are normal when things aren't normal or when should we see something, when should we do something. Uh, it's a huge disadvantage for athletes because we already are taught to be mentally tough. Um, so there's, you know, there's that. It, it, takes, it takes courage to speak out on it. So I really, really am, um, was pleased and proud to hear, you know, some of your professional athletes that have been coming forth with, um, hey, I'm struggling mentally, you know, and that lets everybody else know that this isn't something that is normal. This is something that we really need to pay attention to. Um, so closing in those gaps, I am currently, I'm currently on my, writing on my second book called The Mental State of Sport, um, which will actually, I talk about about a lot of the challenges um, that athletes go through. Um, I also have sections in that book for parents and, and coaches, like what that means for them and how the mental aspect of sport affects, you know, that group as well, because it affects parents too. For sure. And it's great to hear, like I said, you talk about your own experience and in terms of putting those resources out there, because as we know, knowledge is power. And again, the only yes. way that, you know, things can change. And that's part of what we believe here at Courtside is that we need to unsilence the voices of athletes to speak about their experience, to promote social mm-hmm. change, and to bring awareness. Those are the three main keys here. And it's great to hear you use your platform and your experience, like I said, to develop the ball code, to develop these resources, and to share that knowledge. Yes. And, hey, I think that – I think the more that we talk about it um, – and the more that we share this, um, it really could help these athletes. It really could help these athletes with all the mental blocks that they already have. And Z, one thing we often do, like I said, towards the end of each episode is what we call the rapid questions. So like I said, is you know, two or three questions we go through with, with our guests and kind of get their quick uh, responses on it. So in your mind, what makes a well athlete? A well athlete is a trained athlete, one that will practice um, one that will practice without having to be told to practice. Like I said, has that internal drive and passion for their sport. Lo- love to hear it. Yes. What is one moment of your experience in sports? And again, it can be during your athletic career or since your athletic career that's been monumental for you. Yes. Oh, wow. Ooh, okay. Um, I guess the play, I, I watch, I watch basketball. I watch all kinds of sports, every sport really. 
um, growing up and, you know, as a child, you always think about, um, oh, I want to be that person that I see on TV. And you see all these great teams that are playing. Um, and so my junior year, I believe in college, um, we got a chance to play Duke. And I thought that that was just incredible because they were really good at that time. Uh, they're good now, but they were like number two in the country and they've had a couple of national championships um, the previous year. So I knew the people that I played against <laughs> um, just by watching them. And so being in that atmosphere was just simply uh, amazing. It was just an amazing experience. Um, and then we got a chance to play them again the next year in the Bahamas during Thanksgiving. So that was also a really great experience uh, just doing that. So many. I had so many good moments. <laughs> it's definitely a hard question, I got to say. I always want to get uh, interesting responses when asked. And what currently brings you peace to today? Being back, being back in the sport industry doing what I do, it, it really does. Uh, just knowing that even if I can help somebody, um, even if it's just one person, like that just thrills my soul. Um, that is what gives me peace. I'm finally home. I'm finally back home in the sport industry. And it's great to have you. And again, I really appreciate you joining us courtside today to talk about your experience, to talk about your journey, and to talk about the ball code. Thank you for having me. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to check out other episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and Podbean. You can also follow us on social media at Wellness Athletic Services on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, feel free to email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.